What's poppin' y'all? Thanks for joining us for another episode of Make It Happen Mondays, brought to you by SalesLoft, VanillaSoft, Gong, and Vidyard. Today, we are joined by Greg Siegel, CEO and founder of Alice, and he's going to talk to John about the role of personal experience in driving enterprise sales. This is an action-packed episode. We're going to learn a lot. We appreciate you guys joining us. We hope everyone's strapped in and ready to make it happen. Let's join John and the conversation. Take it away, John. Good afternoon, everybody. This is John Barrows with Make It Happen Mondays. Hopefully you had a weekend uh, that you didn't go batshit crazy in today's fucked up world. Um, I am here with a very interesting individual who I'm really looking to have, forward to have this conversation because it's all around what I think is super important right now is recentering on what's important and how to be personalized and, and using the personal experience. So Greg Segal, is it uh, Segal, right? That's how you pronounce Siegel, it? Man. It's like the bird. Siegel, sorry, like the there bird. it is. Yes. Sorry, right. <laughs> CEO over at Alice. So what's going on, my friend? How are you doing? How's it going, man? Very good. I'm doing so Greg, I always ask, you know, give us the give us your journey because you're CEO, right? Um, I always love to hear how and why people uh, got to the level of executive role or starting businesses. So quick journey here of how you got to where you are and what what Alice is all about. So we can put some context to this conversation. Yeah, I think this is like a two hour podcast, right? So, you know, I started off, uh, started my first company when I was back in 19 years old, um, always knew I wanted to start my own thing and, uh, ended up growing a large e-commerce agency, uh, for about 12 years, uh, ended up selling that company back in 2012 and then was looking for what to do next. Um, and instead of being in the professional services world, I really wanted to be in the, in the product world, having had many, many different product ideas like that. And, you know, came across this whole concept and just watched how much money was being wasted and spent uh, in terms of gifts, rewards, swag, meals, trips, tickets, and whatnot. And, you know, looked at how that money was being spent. Like, I don't need a chocolate feat to get my foot in the door campaign. Like, I don't need chocolates. I'm a gym rat, you know, as you can see if you've seen the video and stuff, Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't golf, which I know you're going to like, you know shit on me on that one but that's okay um no, but don't invite know, me to golfing I, stuff i haven't right? golfed and i haven't golfed in about six years man so all right so there, there you go um you know and then you know i don't need any more crappy water bottles and stuff and so just there's this proliferation of all this money that's being spent across all those uh all those different categories and when you looked at when i looked at it, it was all about me spend or they're, they're spending it on about themselves not about me so I'm like, why are you not actually allowing me to actually have the power to to choose what I want and you know give me the opportunity to do that because that's a much better way for me to you know for you to be spending your money on something I'm actually going to utilize that's there. So we built the whole entire business, you know, Alice, which is the, the company now, around how do we create and build personal bonds by using this invest these investment dollars to actually learn who this person is, be able to understand who they are, and actually use that as a way to to drive the uh, uh, the conversations and you know the relationship as you move forward too. Love it. Yeah. And I think this is, it's interesting, right? It's kind of <clears throat> gone back to that, that real personalization and not the fake personalization, which is really what I wanted to kind of dive into here because, you know, Morgan and I, um, I've said this a few times on the podcast. It was, it was interesting. We were having a conversation about kind of where we are today and what, what COVID did to, to has done to business. And, and what he said was interesting. He goes, John, you know, we've grown up in like my generation, millennials, have grown up in pretty much a point and click world. You know what I mean? Like if we want to catch up on a series, we just go to Netflix, download the whole thing, binge it over the weekend, we're done, right? We don't have to wait until next week and oh my God, if we missed it, we had to call our friends and talk about what what happened. You know, um, if we want our favorite meal, Uber Eats, have it delivered from our favorite restaurant. If we want to hit our numbers, we have a cadence tool now that I can blast out a million emails to and, and, and hit it, right? He goes, but we've forgotten 
but, but we but it, we don't look at the person on the other end of that phone or the other end of that that they, we, we look at them as a number we don't look at them as a person and he's like i think this is a time and i agreed with him that this is a time to recenter on what's important and 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 reset how we approach things because i think we gotten a little bit out of control right up until this point i think yeah, i mean we can have a much more broader society conversation about this which is helping us all recenter but let's you know obviously focus on sales here so talk to me about this role of personal experience from your perspective uh and how it works in the sales process of of you know in, in any type of sale but when we're reaching out to people um to try to build that trust to try to earn that right to have that conversation how do you look at at the personal personal experience part of that? Yeah, this whole concept of personal experience is something we've been we've been playing with for you know about six months right now, and uh, has really allowed us to create this approach. The one you're talking about, um, we'll come back to the whole personalization versus being personal, and I can sort of yeah. roll that into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but a personal experience, you have to think about right now when you're a sales rep or you're in sales, you're thinking about the the company as an account. But in the inside of that company, you have this buyer group that you're always going after, right? Whether it's the decision maker, the buyer, you know, the, the budget holders, you know, the influencers on the deal, the users, whoever it might be. And you always have to remember that on one side, you have you as the vendor, and maybe you're just thinking about this as a sales rep, but you're building a relationship with all these individual people on the other side. But if you only think about, about them as an account and how much penetration I get into that account, rather than thinking about this, them as individual people, then you're missing out on the ability to actually drive to, you know, to getting to know who they are and actually building loyalty and building trust, you know, through the whole entire process that's there. And as you get into the whole customer journey, then it's like many people on your side are actually building a, a relationship, you know, up here. So what they think about is ABM or we think about it as, you know, customer experience, you know, you got to get to that one-to-one, you know, level uh, with them. And the way to do that is you have to say, well, I, first of all, and you speak about this all the time, you have to be relevant with them, right? So that we call it the three R's in terms of this approach, which you call personal experience approach. The first one is relevancy. It's like the nine to five. Who are they? What's their goals? What are their, what are they trying to accomplish? You know, it's here. What's the impact that you're going to make for them? You know, how do you tie your value to what they're actually trying to solve there? You have the second R, which is relatability, which is their, what we call the five to nine, right? Mm-hmm. This is where you build emotional resonance. This is how you relate to them. This is how you actually go from like, okay, hey, I can solve this problem and I'm just this person trying to make a sale to, hey, this is who I am as an individual human being. And the final thing is what we call the final R is respect, which is how do you be respectful with every single one of those specific you know, points of outreach that you're actually making to them as well, as well right now. And when we're talking about this in terms of the, the, um, the, the outreach, everyone always thinks about it, especially on the marketing side or even in sales, you just mentioned cadences, you know, sequences, yeah. like those are touches, right? right? You know, it's like the most creepy, annoying word in the entire world. I actually use that word too often and I wish I didn't cause it's too ingrained. Like hey, how many touches? And I'm, every time I say it, I'm like, that's just fucking creepy as shit. So yeah. yeah, dude, think about it, right? You know, you've got, if I'm touching somebody, first of all, it's a creepy word in general, yeah. right? Except in a marketing or sales context, which is right. crazy. I'm, I'm pushing something one way. It's not actually reciprocation. There's no reciprocation back on that. If you get reciprocation back on that touch, it's an interaction. But if you build emotional resonance, meaning you actually are connecting to them on that five to nine, you're connecting to them as a human being and, and relating to them then you actually have this as a moment. So you're taking it from a touch to a moment. That is the key thing that allows you to say, if I'm driving in the personal experience, I'm able to go from, you know, building rapport to building trust to actually getting them to be a loyal follower, you know, and a champion of mine inside this organization. So, so I, how do you do that without being, going back to creepy, how do you do that without being creepy, right? Because, or, or like personal, like, so let's get to that personalization versus personal, right? Yep. Because 
you know, I don't want, what I don't want is I don't want some kids following me on Facebook and all of a sudden making comments about what I'm doing in my house, right? Like that to me is like, fuck off, kid. Like you are way creeping me out. So yep. how do you be, how do you connect to the, to the, to the person, if you will, from the five to nine and, and, and make it relevant and make it genuinely connected to why you're reaching out as opposed, cause what bothers me about fake personalization right now uh, I'm seeing a lot of it's like fake empathy when the COVID hit, right? Totally. People, uh, totally. you know, at first it generally genuinely was, hey, I hope you and your family are doing well. But then it got overused, and then it was like, hey, I hope you and your family are doing well. You know, I got this great software tool to sell you. It's like what? Or John, hey, I see you went to University of Maryland. You know, go Terps, and here's a fucking. And it's like, dude, I could give a shit about University yeah. of Maryland at this point, and that adds no value. It's not relevant. So how do you find out about that five to nine stuff without being overly creepy? And what are you looking for? Yeah, let's start off uh, taking a step back to what we were saying before, which is the difference between personalization versus being personal. I think there's a very clear delineation that people have to understand, you know, as to what the differences are between both of those. Personalization is all about data that you're actually using to drive somebody through a buyer's journey. Consumer, B2C, gets this totally. You think of Amazon, you think of Netflix, like Facebook, any of these, they know exactly what the next action you're going to take, and they're going to guide you to that next point in the buyer's journey, whether it's delivering more value or getting you to a place to actually buy a product, right? You know, you think about any of these customization boxes or anything in e-commerce, you know, as, as a good example of that. The problem is in B2B, there's not enough data in most cases for you to actually have true you know, ability to drive somebody through a buyer's journey, you can start getting some of that data and you have like intent data and other things that will actually give you some good insights, you know, and good intel as to like who this, who this customer is, but you use that in terms of the relevancy. You do not use that in terms of the relatability to somebody being relatable is all about how, how you take, you know, this from this data mindset of personalization to how do you actually be personal where you are actually generating true emotional resonance, very, very different approach that you need to take in order to be able to drive that. If I'm trying to build emotional resonance, it has to be something like, if you just say, if I was like, oh yeah, go Terps. Like, I I don't have any connection to you about that. That's total fake personalization. It doesn't mean anything. And also, if you're just taking a template and just using that and not really understanding how do you connect from yourself to the relatable thing to the other person, it's always going to be fake every single time. It's fake empathy, whether you're trying to say like, what's the problem I'm trying to solve here? If you don't really understand how to sell to a CFO and what they're trying to do, like you're not going to get in there. Right. And if you also don't understand who the CFO is and what they're actually caring about, even outside of the work there, you can't actually build an emotional resonance to that to that specific person. So the way we do it at Alice, you know, specifically is we obviously have our own platform and it is very, very difficult because it is it is, you know, Alice is able to actually uncover those Facebook, you know, uh, um, interests. Right. What is this person interested in where they go to school? What's all that information that's there? But we're very, very mindful of in the journey that you're building a relationship with somebody, especially as a sales rep, you know, you're going through this, like you get super creepy if you start going to like, I know your dog's name and as I know what your kid's name is. So what we do with Alice and the way that it works is we want to send something more general that's around, maybe around their interests or something that that I can relate to there. Mm -hmm. And then as part of Alice, they can actually exchange, you know, as part of this big marketplace we've created that's connected to interests. When that person accepts that gift, they just told you that if they accepted BarkBox, they have a dog. Now you can just talk about dogs. If you have a dog or, hey, I grew up with four yeah. Shelties, you know what I mean? As I grew up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now we can have that yeah. conversation around it. So the whole key is around fake personal, being being personal is around how you can connect to the relatability you know, factor to that specific person. 
So let's let's keep going on that because because I still like wonder when we're giving guidance. So I think let's let's take Alice out of the equation here. Let's say we don't have a tool like Alice. Yep. I'm a sales rep. I'm going after you, Greg. Um, I look on your website and, and, and well, you're probably a bad example because Alice is, you know, I, I would probably want to do something very personalized to you, right? So that I could actually make a connection there because of what you do. But but what, what, what would I be looking for on the personal side of the house to make a connection? And how do I connect that to the relevance? So it's not went to Maryland, got the software product. It's uh, John and, and, and look, uh, like, e- but even if you went to University of Maryland, I still don't see that as I don't give a shit. I genuinely do not give a shit just because you're a Patriots fan. Like, I don't give a shit when it comes. Look, I always looked at it, you know, um, you know, the old school rapport building, right? When you did face to face selling and they always thought like the friggin' guy with the suit that's three, you know, three sizes too big telling you what to do. And you walk into somebody's office and you look around their office and you see a fisherman picture and you say, Hey, Oh, I see you're a fisherman. And so am I. And, and even though you've maybe fished once in your fucking life, you know, you're sitting there pretending, but even if you were a fisherman, like to somebody like me, I look at that as you're wasting my fucking time here, my friend. Like time is of the essence. So you trying to bullshit with me for the first 10 to 15 minutes of this conversation, it's the exact, now other people are different, right? And I think you look, look yep. at disc profiles, you look at, you, you know, you can use stuff like crystal nose to get insights into that stuff. Mm-hmm. But how do you, how do you make sure that you're not swinging and missing when you come after somebody like me with these personalized stuff? Cause I could give a shit about that stuff. I care more about relevance to my business and what I'm doing. So how do you approach it? If you're a rep trying to be that with me? Yeah. So I think there's different levels of that, right? Like you, you're more of the Darth Vader, right? Which is like, you know, the Darth Vader personality where you're much more on the nine to five. Like just, if you're going to give me value, I want to know value. I don't want to be like connecting with you as an individual. Mm-hmm. There's many other folks though, that you can actually connect with on that personal five to nine level because well, you can I just do. figure out something about them. Right. I do. I do. I like, I do care about that other stuff. And I, yeah, I mean, I got my book with my daughter and I got yeah, all these daughter, other yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but it's, but it's just about more about, I, I'd rather let's get to business and then let's be, let's connect. Cause now you earn the right for me to then do that versus yep. start with that and then go the other direction. Yeah. And I think that's something you have to suss out, right? So when I'm saying the Darth Vader personality, it's like, you're mm-hmm. much more caring about enter with relevance yes. as to what are you doing to actually solve my problems versus other people buy more emotionally. And they're actually more about that connection to the person. Do I trust the sales rep is more right. about can this person, does this really person really care about me, Mm. not just care about making the sale? And there's a difference on how you actually, you know, you actually lead into that. So take Alice out of the equation. All you have to be thinking about here is you have to be able to enter with specific questions. And as you're getting to know the person, you can start to figure out and actually ask like uh, entry level questions to say like, what are you interested in? What did you do last weekend? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and obviously you want to get away from, you know, what's the weather like, but you can typically find something about most folks that are out there. Whether it's like you lead in with what are they talking about, you know, in terms of some of their initiatives and you talk about that and it leads into like you trying to figure out some way of telling, you know, getting to a personal story that's there. I mean, it's very hard for a 21 year old sales rep to like be able to connect with like a 55 year old, you know, CFO who doesn't really give two craps about whatever it is, you know, so you have to, you have to fish for those things. Um, So yes, that is, that is harder, but it is easier as you get deeper into the relationship, right? As you're going from that, that portion, you know, from the beginning portions, you know, on uh, that's there. But it just all comes down to how you're asking those questions and the outset. 
you know, of who that person is. And like those first initial things as you get away from the weather, you know, and you start talking about like, oh, you know, you know, uh, like about kids or dogs or like, you know, people will have some sort of a soft spot, like with you, with your daughter and, you know, the book that you, you know, that, that yeah. you guys wrote, uh, read, uh, wrote together. So like, there are things that you can find out about most people. And it's funny you bring that up because I was actually about to do a post on this, uh, a video on how to use COVID right now or the world scenario as small talk, but for a purpose, right? Because like there's certain things where, you know, like, hey, whatever, I'm sick of listening. I'm sick of talking about this at this point. So let's just get to business, right? But but if you but if you do the, there's like this optimistic, what I'm noticing, there's an optimistic um a point of view and a pessimistic point of view of what's going on right now. And those are in direct relationship to who's actually doing business at this point and how I'm going to sell to them. So I'm using uh, small talk right now in all my calls. So, hey, Greg, hey, man, how you holding up through this, man? You going crazy like everybody else? Like, hey, where do you, just out of curiosity, where do you see this thing going? You see this like keeping, you know, and, and if I get you to say, you know what, John, like my mentality, you know what? I think this is a recentering. I, I think ultimately as bad as all this shit is, it's going to be a good thing because it's going to help us refocus on what's important. And ultimately we're going to come out of this stronger as a unity, as a, as a blah, blah, blah. That optimistic view, I can sell to. I can sell the future to. I can sell. Uh, I can sell bigger picture goals to, and usually bigger, bigger issues that I can solve. Like we can work together. So I call it pleasure, right? I'm selling the pleasure in that scenario. Whereas if you're like, dude, this is fucking miserable. I don't, you know what I mean? Like the, the world is going to hell right now. Like I don't see this getting any better. I know immediately I have to focus on pain. That with you as a personality, that now we are talking about short-term things that I can solve, whatever your pain is right now. And I legitimately change my whole approach based on that initial five-minute conversation with you to kind of intro the call. And it and it's a very clear, uh, and, and I'm noticing that people who are making decisions right now are mostly the optimistic ones, mm -hmm. right? It's, just, it's the same thing. So that that's on the... So you're taking it in terms of the like the positive negative approach. Like, what am I trying to do, and how am I trying to frame the problem, and how do I know I get to go after this person? Am I going after like the visionary side of things, or am I going right after the pain to be like, let me just you know usurp that? You take the same approach on the personal side, right? Which is like you can start asking questions that pry into it, and you can understand like how much do they want to talk about those specific things that are there. Right, right. The beauty about COVID right now and where everybody's working from home is you have more ability to understand in the background. And of course you've got the plain background, but I know enough about you now there, <laughs> you know, to be able to figure that out, you know, right. I've seen enough. There you go. All right. There you go. So, you know, Brady, right. You know, yep. unfortunately he's a, uh, you know, the, the bucks won, won that one, but that's so okay. We got two, we got two know? teams to root for now, my friend. So. We do. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Um, <clears throat> you know, so, you know, but that's now seeing this, you have more ability as a sales rep right now to be able to get to the personal side of things to see like, what's their style, you know, what are they interested in? What things do they have in the background? Like it's, you, we literally have the ability to go back to what you just said before, where I was a door to door salesperson. I walk in and I look to see, or if I get, I get, you know, brought to an office, like this is the ultimate time for you to be able to talk to the five to nine and be able to actually strike up the ability to actually ask questions that show you care. Because again, it goes back to how do you care both about their problems that they're having, but also about them as a person. And you just got to figure out which of those directions you go. And again, that's very much at the beginning of the sales cycle. Sure. As soon as you get through that and you break through with one of those two directions, it very much allows you to get into either, hey, now we've connected as a person. Now you're allowing them to open up more to you because they feel like there's an emotional connection there. Or if you've actually like hit upon the pain point for them, now they're willing to actually have more of that small talk with you and actually get into this where you can actually, you know, start to relate to them, you know, on that, on that side of things. And I think it's that breaking through that barrier of, <clears throat> okay, I've earned the right now. 
to look at, and I think it goes back to just seeing you as a person as opposed to a number, right? Look, and, 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 and so let's back into, let's go all the way back without any of the benefits. Because a quick story on like, for instance, your background, you got those books, right? And I learned this at an early age in sales about the the importance of of knowing enough to be dangerous, but not knowing everything, right? <clears throat> and it was when I was doing a, uh, um, I, I used to do face-to-face selling all over Massachusetts here, right? And we sold IT services. It was my first company that I started. I know nothing about computers. So every single, e- every single call, I had my engineer, right? <clears throat> and so what would happen, and I was supposed to be the relationship guy. And so I would set the stage and then hand it over to my engineer and then whatever, and they'd be the smart kid and whatever. <laughs> They weren't supposed to be developing relationships. That was my job, right? But I remember vividly, we walked into some huge VC firm here in Massachusetts and uh, CEO, right? The whole thing, partner. And we walk in and on the guy's bookshelf, and this was back when, remember Freakonomics? Oh, yeah. Book, yeah. You know, right? So this is right when Freakonomics it came out, right? And what happened was my, C, my CTO had read, he was an avid reader, read almost everything. And he saw Freakonomics on the guy's bookshelf. And he goes, hey, hey, just have you read Freakonomics yet? Mm-hmm. And the guy lit up like a Christmas tree. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And he started asking him questions about that. And I'm sitting there on the sideline. And you could, when I tell you, you could feel the rapport being built, built right there. Like I'm sitting there on the sideline going, what the, you know, and I'm the idiot going, <laughs> Freakonomics, you know, it's kind of, it's a funny book, right? And, and so, uh, you know, like that kind of was like, holy shit, I got to start reading books that, that CEOs read just for nothing else than to be able to relate to them and have a, and hold a conversation. Like you said about golf, right? You know why I play golf? I don't play golf because I like golf. I play golf, or at least I used to, because I don't want to miss out on the opportunity of that executive saying, hey, you want to go play golf? And me embarrassing myself on, on the golf. You know, I, I, can, I shoot about 100. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not going to embarrass myself on, on the golf course. Um, I'm, I'm also not good enough to beat them, which is a good thing. Right. So, yeah. so even I if you were, you would, you'd let them win anyway. Right. <laughs> totally. Right. So, yeah. so with that, so that that's great with, we got a conversation. You've agreed to a conversation. I'm meeting with you. We're meeting together. I'm, I'm developing that rapport. I'm picking up on cues, but I'm an SDR and a BDR. Mm-hmm. I got to make some cold calls here. I have no idea. I can't see you on your zoom screen right now. I can kind of socially stalk you in a, in, in a limited way. How do I introduce that into my prospecting approach? Yeah, so I think you you know you know what the person's uh, daily jobs are, right? You know, you know who they are as like a, a general. And again, this is going back to the the other thing I always talk about is like you're trying to move from a persona to a person. How do I get from a generality is like I generally know what a CFO wants or a CIO wants to a like how am I talking to this person as a as a human being? You know, that's there too. And again, these are the, the probing questions. The same thing, like when you go through and you're in your training on like how to find the pain, it's the same thing with how do you find a, an ability to be, for you to be able to relate, right? Because you can start asking different things. Like if you're interested in specific things, you can start asking those types of questions. Like, hey, you know what? Instead of me starting off by just asking this, I'd just love to know, like, you know, since you're at home now, you know, you're reading a lot of books, you've been watching a lot of movies, you know what I mean? Like there's ways where you'd actually break into this where you can start start to probe them and see what are they actually interested in and having those conversations, you know, uh, around that and being like, let me just talk to you as a person first and then let me get back to the actual pain and you see which way they go. Same way that you just said around the positive, negative, you know, yeah. the small talk side of things. You can do the same exact thing on the, on the personal side or the five to nine side of things as well. Right. So it's just training on both of those aspects. But remember the five to nine is the emotional side. 
the nine to five is I'm going to get into a pain and let me see how fast I can get this to an opportunity creation, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, side of things. So you can merge those two things together to also be able to, to, you know, drive more emotional um, loyalty, you know, around the brand. Because remember this too, is like, we're talking very much about cold calls right now, but right. that emotional resonance you create at the beginning of that sales cycle will actually, if, when you get into a competitive lens, a competitive, you know, bid later on down the road, if it's a very commoditized field, like analytics platforms or something like that, most of the time they're going to go after who emotionally do they feel more connected to rather than what features are actually going to be, you know, are going to be sold. So you have to remember that, that those seeds you're planting earlier on in the sales cycle will play very heavily, especially if you're a really smart BDR, SDR to AE transition, where you can actually transition that personal connection to the, to the AE. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing people miss out on too, is like the BDR might start to actually be able to do this, but the best BDRs will actually be able to help the AE be able to say like, well, I know my AE likes these types of things. Let me tee them up to some of those things as well, right? So that's how you can start getting to that five to nine versus the nine to five side too. Yeah. Can I, so let me ask you this, because you, you hit on it early as far as asking those questions and caring, right? And like actually giving a shit about the answers and not asking them just to ask. Can, in your opinion, I ask a lot of people this, because in your opinion, can you train genuine curiosity? I mean, you have to, you have to care, right? You know, if, so there's two things fighting against you. Think about it in the sales world. You have one, which is you have specific numbers you've got to just hit in terms of number of activities, which is also something I think because of this whole entire COVID situation. And also a lot of these companies that were very like heavy outbound, you know, going to inbounds. I think that it's going to force folks to actually rethink the activities because it's going to have to be going from scaling quantity to scaling quality. Right. Because of the because of the nature of how much noise there is that's out there, because the person in the rep that cares more about me and is going to take the time to do the due diligence and understand who I am is going to be the one that wins. I talk about this all the time. If you're going to be if somebody's going to feel like you care about them, you're going to have to be investing in them. And you have two things to invest in either time to to that or investment in dollars to that person. Right. And so for us at Alice, we're always talking about like, well, if you're going to be investing dollars, you got to show that you put the time behind that as well. Don't just go sending some random crap to somebody right. and being like, oh, yeah, I went to, uh, you know, love the Terps. Here's a, you know, a, a, you know, a mug from there. I get so much BU crap, you know, Ugh. Boston University, and I could care less. Like, yeah. I don't care. Like, stop. I'll never wear it. I'll never, for anybody listening to this podcast right now, I will never wear anything from University of Maryland ever at this point in my in my life. <laughs> so. You should say what you really do want, though, because you'll probably get about 20 of those. Yeah, this, right. This podcast, uh, so. <laughs> uh, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. Send them over. There you go. There you go. You know, so like, but that's that's the thing you have to understand here is that that's, um, you know, people have to understand that the the investment in time shows you care as long as you're actually going in and you're actually putting the due diligence behind behind this and then how you tee up those questions and how you actually are genuinely understanding what they are that's mm-hmm. the key of it that's you know this whole empathy thing like people talk about this all the time and it's like the big buzzword of the world you can't have empathy means you actually are able to truly feel what it is like to be in the other person's shoes and right. if you truly don't give a shit about what it's going to be like to to be in the other person's shoes you're you're going to be a shitty salesperson no matter what right that's just the reality of it and that's either you don't care about their pain or you don't care about them as a person the one that cares about them as a person and also about their pain and can and do a really good job of identifying that pain and just hand that off like they're going to be successful but you can be more successful and and know that you're going to have an effect further down the sales funnel and be able to get to your numbers if you're actually connecting with the person themselves as well. That's just, it's just a missing piece right now. And that's the big thing that people have to understand. That's why we call it personal experience. Like how do you drive the personal experience and drive them from rapport to trust, to loyalty as they become a customer, as they go through that process. And loyalty even beforehand, 
They might love you and just say like, I love that sales process. Holy right. crap. Like I feel indebted to them because they did more for me. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the big, the big challenge right now is, is that, that, that push pull between hitting our numbers and doing it the right way. <laughs> right. Because, because if it was up to me, I'd have a half an hour to do research on every single person I reached out to, you know what I mean? But unfortunately I think we're in this weird transition world right now where like guys like you and I, I don't know, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. 41, or 40, right. 40, yeah, so I'm, I'm 44, right? So we grow up and, you know, in a volume, pretty much when it came to sales, it was a volume game, right? It was like you make, you know, 100 dials or whatever. We've evolved to understand with ABM and all this other stuff that personalization matters, that quality matters, right? All that stuff. But we're still in this position where managers like us, leaders like us, it is very hard to coach on quality. It is extremely hard for me to take time. You know, I like we use Gong, right, to do co call recording, right? And I love the tool. It's fantastic. The problem is, is every time I have to, you know, as a leader and I, I am a player coach here, I'm selling, I'm doing my thing. Every half hour call that Morgan has, I have to take a half an hour out of my schedule. I have to then sit down. I have to listen to that. Not only listen to that, but then, so it's probably not a half an hour. It's like 45 minutes because I need to do the coaching as part of that, right? So it's really hard for me to do. You know what's easy to manage to? Hit your fucking 50 dials a day. And if you didn't hit those 50 dials, I'm now going to smack you over the head. So what advice do you have to, to kids right now who, who are in that world of managers like us who are, and I'm not saying you and I are lazy, but in general, lazy management of hit your numbers, 50 dials. And unfortunately right now, in some cases, actually ratcheting up the activities because the results are worse, right? What do you get? What advice do you give that kid that says, look, Greg, John, I, I love what you're saying here, man. I, I think it's fantastic, but yep. I don't, I can't do that. I, I, or I don't have time to do that. And if I don't hit my 50 dials, I'll get more, I'll get yelled at more if I don't hit my 50 dials than if I don't get my meetings. Yeah. Right. So, so what uh, do I do? Yeah. I, I always think of like, how do you hack the system? So let, let's go in terms of like, like superstructure. Like I, if I don't do this, I get fired, you know, yeah. like to, to the point where you have some more flexibility. Let's, let's get very tactical around sure. this, which is, I think is, you know, even good for the listeners here. So like, if I'm like struck, stuck in a, in a, in a, um, in a very hard structure, where I got to do hundred dials a day and hundred emails a day or whatever the heck the activity, you know, uh, structure that you might be, you know, be built around is hack the system. So what I've seen other folks do, and I've, and this is from my friends who are in, in some larger companies is they'll hire somebody on Upwork to actually do all the research for them, like right. find the stuff for me, you know, and pay them four bucks an hour or whatever it might be, you know, which is great for them. You know, they're getting paid right. well. And it's like, now you've got some value. Now you can actually walk into these places. Now you're actually able to scale, scale the ability to, to find out more about that, about those, mm -hmm. that, the, those folks that are there too. The second thing is you have to be thinking about the quality, like go back to what I said before, the investment uh, caring is about the investment in time in, in our money. If it's money, it has to also be matched with time. You know, that's there too. Mm -hmm. If you show that you've put some time behind the call and you're not just calling to be like, Hey, I'll me run through my script. And basically that's it. Like you're going to, you're going to have, you know, uh, um, decrement, you know, uh, decreasing, you know, um, what's it called? Ah, missing the, the words here, but whatever, you know, it's like decreasing, decreasing amount of results as you go on further. And even because everybody results. is, yep. Yeah. Diminishing results. Yeah. 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 You know, um, diminishing your turn. Like that's the key thing is like, you have to understand that even with everybody at ratcheting that up, you have to be thinking about how do you do that? So again, this is on this side, I would just hack the system and figure out how can I show that my value of time is there by understanding more about who these folks are and whatever it is. And I, and I do just to jump in on that real quick. And I, I say the same thing and some people, and I like, I feel it's weird that I feel 
bad saying this these days because I can't believe that, uh, you know, to telling you to work hard, right, is something that, oh, you can't tell me to work past five o'clock. I don't know a single successful person that doesn't work past five o'clock. So do your nine to five. Go let, Let's go back to five to nine, nine to five, right? Do your five, nine to five, like the way that you're being told to do it. And I would recommend measure those damn results, become a scientist, and so that you can go back to your boss and say, boss, I've been making 100 dials a day for fucking five, you know, eight days, 10 days in a row, and I haven't gotten shit, right? But then off hours, instead of binge watching Netflix, instead of doing that stuff, do some homework on some accounts, fire off some personalized emails, stay up until holy shit, maybe 10 o'clock at night doing work instead of actually eating ice cream, and then and, and, and come back to your boss with data that says, look, I've been doing it your way, and then I did it this way. And this way, I've gotten this conversion ratios and those type of things. And that way, I'm doing this. Which one would you rather me do? And I will tell you right now, if your boss then leans in on you like jackass Grant Cardone type of thing of, no, you hit the fucking list. You know what I mean? Instead of that, then go find another job because you're never going to be successful in that scenario. Yeah. You're going to see this very, like, especially over the next year to two years, there's going to be a very, very big shift away from there's still going to be the tracking of the numbers, but the quality thing is going to become more. You see this in like customer success where they're starting to actually do like qualitative reporting. Like you can still get quantitative from qualitative. How likely are they to renew? What's their happiness level right now? You know, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to start seeing those things in terms of the sales reps too, in terms of like when you're on these calls, how are you feeling that they are? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's going to be some tools and other things that will come out that will help to actually judge some of the qualitative things. But again, going back to like, just finalizing on the tactical side, like, Go and hack the system. Like you said, either it's your five to nine that becomes your ability to actually say like my next dials, you know, next time I need to understand these things or these, you know, the personal emails I'm going to send to these folks. And again, there's a difference between personalized and personal. Personalized means I'm in a cadence and I just enter in a variable. Like no one gives a shit. I know when the person has not invested the time in me, I immediately delete or I hit spam now at this point where I'm just like, I'm just going to forget it. I'm going to make it even worse for you and harder for you ever to talk, you know, talk to me again. And I get that all the time as a CEO. You get further down the line here and now you have to say is like, well, let me just take a different approach, take half my list, mm-hmm. you know, and let me spread that out and let me do the work, you know, here and figure out how can I actually like understand who these people are, or actually start to, te- you know, test with different approaches, you know, where I'm asking those questions up front mm-hmm. and testing half of them where I'm actually going on the personal side, the five to nine side versus the nine to five side, mm-hmm. you know, and actually doing that to the other side, which is like, in case of Alice, like we, we do not track activities, for example, inside of Alice right now, like it is the ultimate way for us to go, go for that. But we're tracking the quality of the opportunities and the depth of the opportunities and the speed of where we're going from one stage to the next inside of, inside of that, you know, and that's with our whole entire sales team. As we're looking at that, we are looking at dials and we're looking at emails that are going off and we do track, you know, with our BDRs, we see those things, but we're not saying, Oh my God, you didn't hit your numbers on that. We're just trying to make sure that we see like how many of those accounts were, were actually, uh, actually actively, um, you know, uh, uh, communicated with, right. And more importantly, how many of those had, have we actually created a moment with, right. That's the thing. Cause the more moments you create again, going back to that, the further you're able to actually build emotional depth into the, into the connection with those accounts versus, versus not the more positive moments you right because i think like because there's a bunch of right because i think it's it's like going back to touch it like we're in a we're in an impression world right and that's why we get that's why facebook and amazon are so good at what they do because all of a sudden i see the ad over here and i see an article that's very similar to what i'm thinking about here and all of a sudden you know what i mean and this ad pops up and all of a sudden by the time i'm now i can want you know now it's like boom and because they're all positive right they're not just spamming me with a bunch of like hey what's up let's talk let's talk let's talk and it's the same thing with sales reps i i talk about it's a it sales reps need to become much more like marketers 
in the sense that it's about impressions. It's about positive impressions, right? I, I comment on a link on Facebook or a comment on a link on LinkedIn. I share one of your posts. I retweet something that you tweeted. Uh, I send you something. I, you know, like I call you, I email you, but all of those things need to be in line with you as a person or you from a relevance standpoint to, to, to make that impression. I'm actually even saying now, you know, what's interesting I'm noticing is that a lot of, I don't know if you guys use call like auto dialers and stuff like that, but you know how like they can spoof the number, right? 617. Like I actually think now that's the, it's, it's hurting people. Cause I will like 617 here in Boston, if I see a 617, I don't, I don't even come close to opening it. I'd rather open a 650 over in California. Right. That said, all of a sudden now companies are putting their name on the di- on the dialer so so like when so if you were to call me it would say Alice it would show up as Alice and I'm noticing that going huh and I don't I don't open it but what that does is that subconsciously or consciously there's an impression right there yep. it's like I just saw Alice on my phone wait a minute what was that email that I got from that kid I yep. think I got an email from a kid a, a few days ago from Alice let me uh, yeah, never mind. And then all of a sudden I get an email from Alice. Hey, John, here's a gift card from Dunkin' Donuts. I'd love to grab some coffee with you someday. It's like, shit. Oh, okay. So it's like these mm-hmm. positive impressions is what we're looking think, for. Think about it in advertising, right? So I was in advertising for a long time, uh, in marketing and advertising a long time. It's the, it's the common saying that you have to see something seven times before it actually sets into your brain. So the more they see something and the more they talk to you. And that's why when someone, even with dialing, it's like the folks that don't leave voicemails. Like as long as you see a voicemail, like I have my phone, you know, I pick it up and it has a transcription. I never listen to the voicemail, but I'll still like quickly be able to like, you know, see, see what's on there. And you're right very much. And just going back to the moments, it's, you can very easily create a negative moment, a negative emotional reaction, because I noticed you didn't put any time and effort behind, you know, following up with me. You didn't make me laugh. You didn't like connect with me in any specific way. And there was no time invested. Every one of those are touches. Every one of those are negative impressions. The same thing with investments in like direct mail or, you know, gifting Mm -hmm. or any of this other stuff. Like if you don't actually show and care about me, and that's where the Alice approach, you know, where you can, you can exchange or donate. Like I would send you Starbucks. You'd be like, Friggin' awesome, cool. But send me Dunkin' Donuts or allow you to exchange for Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. Now there's a difference there. It's exactly. it's about it's about the psychological difference about you caring and every outreach and every moment that you're actually trying to create with somebody is about them. Everything, everything. If I'm going to be emailing and I'm going to read this email, am I actually going to want to get this email right now? If you as a rep are saying no, then you need to make a modification to that that thing. You need to think about different sequences. And also, the last thing is. You can get anyone's attention going to the impressions thing. You can get anyone's attention. You can take a dump on someone's desk and get their attention, right? Yeah. That's a negative moment. I can mm-hmm. also do the same thing in terms of like really like sneaking, being sneaky around you opening this email yeah. by saying like alert, R-E. your ad account's been hacked, yeah, or right. RE or whatever. Yeah, like you can go yeah. as, as, uh, as whatever it is. It's like th- those are immediate things that actually move me backwards in the trust factor and not forwards in the trust factor. So you've got to, you know, and this is a hard thing to do, but you've got to be genuinely caring about these specific individual people. And you got to figure out how to even infuse that at the littlest bit, even if you're locked into specific activities of which you should really get out of that job. But like, yeah. you can still hack that a bit, you know, to to the extent to at least increase some of the percentages there and then try and really move towards the, you know, the, the balancing of the of the five to nine with the nine to five. Uh, definitely. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's that constant battle that I face of like, I then that's again what I hope. I I hope the mark. I hope that the work that the 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 average SDR and the BDRs are doing today with with companies treating them as marketing spam engines. I do genuinely hope that gets taken over by 
marketing spam engines and that the people are leveraged for people things, yep. right? Because I, I've always said, I fundamentally do not understand the difference between a sales rep taking a sales loft cadence tool like sales loft, which I absolutely love. They're a sponsor. Yep. They're I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent of their They're customer bars. So they're awesome. Yeah. Right. And, but, but, and then taking marketing templates that marketing creates, putting them into a cadence and pressing play. I do not understand why, like I always say, if I was a VP of sales, if I was a brand new VP of sales walking into an organization, legitimately the first thing that I would do is I would say, can I see every email that goes out from all the BDRs and SDRs right now? And if they were all templated bullshit emails, yeah. I would say, I'm going to save this company a whole shitload of money. I'm going to fire every SDR and BDR. I'm going to hire a marketing ops person. I'm going to double down on Marketo and I'm going to go to the boards with something like that. I'm going to save myself a shitload and probably get way better results. Yep. So how do we take those group and turn them into people that care about people and stop treating them as robots? Right. Yep. So hundred yep. yeah, percent. I think look. the, the um, <laughs> you know, as you're, as you're thinking about the, you know, the outreach and you're thinking about the, the, the cadences and the sequences and stuff, the biggest fundamental thing that I think people are going to understand, and this is like an overarching like trend in the industry is that it's not going to be about automating activities. It's going to be about automating intelligence. If you can automate the intelligence, it makes the activities a hell of a lot better. And if you can automate the intelligence oh, yeah. and the activities, now you've just made the whole thing. Personalization yeah. fails right now because you're you're trying to you're trying to do fake personal. You're trying yeah. to be fake personal. Personalization has the word personal in it, which means emotive. There's nothing about being personal, you know, personalization that's actually emotive right now. It's just not right. Mm -hmm. So you have to be thinking about this as I'm an SDR and BDR is like, how do I automate the intelligence? Which is what I was saying, like hack the system, figure out more about those companies, figure out what you can do to be able to, to, to learn more about them, to be able to actually drive, you know, drive through. There's one little cool example of, a, of one of my friend's companies. What he uses the BDR and SDR function, I think he's got like 30 or 40 BDRs or so. They are calling on companies, not to the buying group, but to an adjunct person inside of the company to understand and learn what are the big problems that the company's having right yep. now. Right. And then using that as a way to actually talk much more directly to the pains that are there. But you can do the same thing in the five to nine. Like, what does some of these people just tell me? Like, I'm just curious to know, you know, whatever it is. Half time, everything you're, you're creepy or whatever it is. But I'm like, hack the system, flip yeah. the dynamic of this stuff. You know what well, I mean? And that's, I mean, I've been preaching that now for about a month and a half or two months, which is in a down economy, all the, all, all like up economy growth. You can latch into an executive like yours initiatives and you can make, you're yeah. willing, you and I as CEOs of our little companies here, um, are willing to make decisions that aren't necessarily as popular at, you know, getting everybody's bought into them, right? Because we see the vision. And uh, I don't know about you right now, though, I can't see more than a, a few months out at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I look at the end of June as, as, as that's the end of PPP. So now I got to make a decision as a business owner, what do I do now? Then after that, I look at maybe the next six months of the year to see what we're doing at the end of the year. But my plans for next year, I don't fucking know. So, so that type of thing. So I'm not willing to make new decisions on stuff that I'm not aware of. But bottom-up approach now is a far more interesting because we guess a lot in sales. I guess about you. I, I, I find a trigger on your, on your, you know, and I say, hey, Greg, you know, that happened. So I, you know, and I've seen that happen before in our solution, but that's a hypothesis. I don't, I don't know, right? I guess that, hey, you're the CEO of a SaaS cool company. You tend to care about these things. So here's my message. Well, let's, let's actually learn. Let's, let's actually unleash our, and Trish Bertuzzi and I had this conversation the other day, Let's unleash our SDRs because there's a lot of organizations that are having a hard time justifying the value of SDRs and BDRs right now because it's their results are so low and it's just like, and they're a cost of sale period, right? And so why not unleash them to gain market insights and market intelligence? That's exactly it. 
And so what we're doing right now, like James and Morgan, James is our SDR, Morgan's our, our AE. We're picking one account once a month, one tier, one account. James, that, that, no, I'm sorry, once a week. James that week is calling literally frontline sales reps and asking a group of questions, right? To say, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, what do you, t- like da, 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 da. And then, and then also doing research, like picking up trigger, you know, whatever those things are and, and collecting all that stuff. And then the end of the month, him or at the end of that week, Morgan and James get together and talk about what do we learn? What, you know, what's going on there? Then the following week, Morgan uses that to prospect into the executive level to tell a really good story. Hey, we've been talking to 10, 15, 20 of your individual reps. This is what they're telling us their real issues are. I have a solution for that. Now, and then the next week, then during, while Morgan's doing that, James is picking another account, right? Month, week over week over week. So there's a great SDR, BDR, or AE combo there. But what that does is that gives us, like the executive, when I reach out to you and say, hey, Greg, I've been talking to a lot of your reps, man, and I've been noticing some of the challenges and we got a solution. Now you turn back to your reps and you're like, hey, is this something you guys really need? You're like, yeah, we need that. Oh, hey, now it's a popular decision, way easier for somebody like you and I to make, totally. right? Totally. So, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, look, uh, let's wrap this up. I think we're, we're coming up on time here, but um, I appreciate the conversation here. What, what are any, any last things that you want to make sure that people are paying attention to right now? No, I just think that, that the, the concept around, uh, you know, quality over quantity, like in caring, like in reality, when you think of personal experience, you know, and what that looks like end to end and how you're building, you know, rapport and trust, you know, and loyalty throughout the whole sales process and into mm-hmm. customer process there. It's just about caring. It's just about understanding who those people are. And again, it's those three R's. Like you've got to understand what what you just said. It's like I'm calling in to find out what the actual true pains are and what's at the ground, right? That's that. The five to nine, like again, the emotional resonance is the piece that I think people have not figured out how to scale yet and how to actually do that. That's really, really important because that is a place where you can actually, it makes up for so many mistakes, you know, previous on. And the last thing is just being respectful. Like, do I want to actually get the, you know, the emails or the calls or LinkedIn messages or, you know, the, the gifts or whatever I might be sending, you know, to you, is that the way I would actually want this to be, to be for myself? So like, that is the fundamentals, you know, of this is that it's going to go to a one-to-one, like think of the other person on the other line, not the account, like very different. If you go from an account perspective to a people perspective and put the person at the center of what you're trying to accomplish there, that will solve. And that will get you so much further than, than, uh, than, than just the account side. Definitely. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, how can people find out a little bit more about what you're doing? Uh, what's the best way to connect with you and Alice and that type of stuff? Because I do love what you guys are doing with that. You know, I, I, I one of the things that, uh, that that struck me was like, oh, we're sending gifts to people. But I'm like, now in this weird world, like, how can you find somebody's address? And that talk about creepy, like, all of a sudden, I get a home email, right? But you're sending the packet, you're sending them the option of something that you exactly. think would be good for them that they can then choose from. a. So it's it's still electronic but it's still personalized. So, so talk to me a little bit about how people can find out more about Alice and, and how they can connect with you. Yep. Go to Alice.com, A-L-Y-C-E.com. Uh, my email is Greg at Alice.com, G-R-E-G, one G, not two, um, at Alice.com. Just people for some reason screw that up. So I have that alias too, just in case you guys want to, you want to go and joke about that as well. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's, that's the, that's how you can reach me right now. Awesome. Well, cool. No, Thank you so much. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, cool. Well, look, okay, everybody, hope you got John. some, yeah, hope you all got as much value out as I, as I got out of this. Um, and, and it got you to think a little bit about what to do and, and how to stay relevant here in today's world, because we all got to keep evolving right now. 
because things are evolving faster than ever. And if you want to get replaced, keep doing the same shit that you've been doing before. Mm-hmm. So look, um, I always say this at the end of all my podcast, no matter how bad your day goes, uh, if you can make somebody's uh, make somebody smile today, you know, you had a good day. So and in this fucked up world that we're in right now, we need a lot more of that going on, a lot more positivity. So go out and make somebody happy today. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. As always, appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers.